working with family is is always fun until it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we all have this pie in the sky that we're since we're family, we're all going to get together and and it's all going to be fun. There's not going to have to be any hard conversations. We're all working towards the same goals. And that's really not it. This is episode number 152 with Chad Felderhoff. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the American Snippets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We have another incredible guest, uh, another awesome interview for you here today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my partner and co-host, Barbara Allen. And today we sit down with Chad Felderhoff. Chad and his brother, Mitch, run the multi-generational animal food manufacturing company called Munster Milling. While Chad knew one day he'd be part of carrying on the family business, he never imagined it would entail such difficult moves, such as firing his own parents or such wild marketing campaigns like watching his own brother eat nothing but dog food for 30 days. But that's exactly what happened. In this episode, Chad shares his own robust family history while applying the lessons they carry to the challenges of today's business climate. He also talks about the intricacies of working closely with family members and offers advice for anyone doing the same. Chad's story is yet another example of how the American dream is built and passed on to generations and how each generation makes it their own. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with the CEO of Munster Milling, Chad Felderhoff. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Today, I am sitting down with Chad Felderhoff. And see, that's how you say your name, yes, Felderhoff? Yes, Okay, perfect. there you go. I, my maiden name was Obremsky, and people use to mention it all the time. Okay, Chad is a fourth-generation owner at Munster Milling. He grew up working hard in his company, left to forge his own future away from his family company, returned somewhat begrudgingly under some level of duress, I guess, in his own life to face monumental challenges, which led to having to fire his own mother and watching his own brother eat nothing but dog food for 30 days. So this story has lots of twists and turns. It is applicable to everybody in these, especially the crazy times in this country, but more specifically, A, to people who love dogs, that's where you've branched into, and B... To anybody who is navigating their own complexities of working a multi-generational or family business, because there's upsides, downsides, pros, cons, all sorts of things that you don't learn in school. Um, And Chad is going to share a lot of this experience with us today. Chad, we're so excited to have you sit down with us. And I'm so glad that I got connected to you through Tony Watley. That's that's awesome, Barb. I, I don't know if I could have put it any better myself. Well, you know, I work hard. I work hard, Chad. I don't know how to make dog food. Well, it's a it's an art and a science and a little bit of luck. Well, we have a lot of dogs. We've always had dogs, and when we run out, I'll like because I run I run out of dog food all the time. They just mow through it, and like I fed them peanut butter sandwiches to hold them over. I'm like, dude, give me six hours, I'll bring you your dog food. So, <laughs> hey, I've done it before myself. The wife looks at me and she's like, "You're the dog food guy, and we're out of dog food. How does that happen?" 
the cobbler's kids never have shoes, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so look, you, you do have a fun and intense and kind of all over the place story, but what's at the heart of it is like this grit and this determination to see it through and do what needs to be done, no matter how difficult and to face up to difficult conversations, tough times, and just not take any, not accept any excuses, not create excuses. And just, you're, you just seem like you're completely accountable for you and your family's well-being. And I think you have so much to offer our community and I'm excited to get into it. Awesome. Yeah, no, at, at the heart of it, that's, you know, there's, there's different paths in my story looking back at it now from where I'm sitting. Perspective it's like, is a great thing. Yes. <laughs> perspective is a great thing, you know, and it's like this, you know, you see memes about hindsight's 2020 and everybody has the year of 2020 and it's like, what in the world are we really going to think when we look back? Right. No kidding. <laughs> so, no kidding. Uh, yeah. You know, when I look back, it's, it's just, we're all on a journey and, and we all have to push through and, you know, it, it's, we got to keep moving forward. Right. And if you're not going forward, you're going backwards um, because the world doesn't stand still. Like there are no days off. There's no rest time in there. Uh, there is, but, you don't accomplish anything in the rest time. And, and you've seen it yourself, uh, the struggles and that, all of your, your stories inspiring as well. Um, you know, so yeah, it's really kind of pushing through, you know, as we go through difficult times, I had this conversation with an employee this morning, like, yeah, it, it's difficult right now outside of work. The whole world feels like it's crashing down on us. We just went through that in 2008, Right. It, there was a point in 2008 where everybody thought the world was crashing down and you know, we had 12 good years and, and life was good and now it's crashing back down. So what are we going to think whenever we get five years down the road? And it's, that's the way our company and our, the way we were brought up is to push through anything that's hard. Like our, our parents' favorite phrase growing up was can't means you don't want to. It, and that one, <laughs> like that one rings home every time it's applicable in every sense of the word. And so, you know, we have, we'll, we'll have challenging conversations with people. And then I'm just, I go right back to that. Can't means you don't want to, you know? And so everybody that says they can't do something, do they really want to do it? You know, I've, we employ a lot of blue collar employees guys that I went to high school with that I grew up around all that kind of good stuff. And, and I really challenge them to, to do better. Right. I, I try to pave the road for them because we want everybody to, to be better, grow the community. If we can get everybody on a better path, then, then we all win. Like no they win, we yes. win, everybody wins. And where we're at in society right now, it's, we don't like winners. And that's, that's the complete opposite of what we were brought up thinking. It's like we, we resent winners a little bit more. Sometimes. It's, it's, it just yeah. sort of highlights where we're not, you know, uh, as a whole. And I think you just hit on so many key things, so many key things here. What are those? Um, it's so funny you said this and I, I'm probably, I'm just like projecting this on you, but my kids, when they went through school, some kids gave them a hard time about this or that and they were insecure and, you know, some fights and all this. And 
best thing I could look at them and tell them, you know, when kids ragged on them, put them down, belittled them, you know, they're not like big athletes and all this stuff, but they're smart, you know, and they're strong, yeah. top outdoorsy, like that kind of stuff, but just not. And, and I'd look at them, I'd be like, you know what, bud, don't even worry about it. I'm like, someday those kids are going to be working for you, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, hearing you say that you hire, I don't know if those people you hire now are, you know, good or bad or what your story was, but <laughs> I just like that you you brought that up, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's one of those funny things. Like I, growing up in, in high school, we had a wood shop, right? And we had this wood shop teacher and he was hard as nails and no pun intended. You, no pun intended. Right. <laughs> he was just hard as nails and his name was Rudy and he would wear you out all day long on the little details. Right. And, and if he caught somebody, he ran detention hall in, in the cafeteria and it, it gets so quiet, a pin would drop because he'd, he'd just unload on some poor kid, right? And you were just hoping that you weren't that kid he unloaded on. But, you know, he'd randomly, he'd see somebody making fun of somebody else. And he's like, you better make them your friend. You might be working for them at some point in your life. You know, yes. and it, it, it just, it rings true. And it, you know, back in high school, you're thinking, there's no way I'm working for this guy, you know? <laughs> but it, it, it's just interesting how everything comes full circle. Never say never, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So what was it like? I mean, now you and your brother are running Munster Milling and you're doing yep. some creative things to get the company out there. And in this in this time of COVID, when so many people are retreating and kind of up in the fetal position here, like just protecting or not knowing where to take it, you guys are going against the against the current <laughs> and doubling yeah. down, which is a sign, I think, of you know. Of what you have to do, tenacity it takes to to build. Yeah. But talk about that uh, in in the current climate. How is it that you all? Like, what are you all up to? What are some challenges you're facing? Yeah. So the the current climate to me and, and to us is just one giant excuse. That's what we hear from Good. everybody. You know, retailers. All of this, we've transitioned more to online. In the past, we sold in stores, you know, we're, we're a regional company. We've been regional for 88 years. And so we like to, we, we'd like the phrase that we're an 88 year old startup. And, <laughs> and so we're always trying to reinvent. And unfortunately, or fortunately, my brother and I are, are pretty hard headed. And so you can't tell us a whole lot of anything. And if you, if you really want to make us mad, tell us we can't do something. And I think that, that's something that all entrepreneurs have. Like they just, it, you know, Tony, yourself, just, just tell me I can't do it and I'm going to prove you wrong. Whether, whether we can tap into that ourselves or whether we have to have somebody kind of push us, that's, you know, that floats back and forth. Right. And so throughout the 88 years, our family has reinvented the business. It started out as a flour mill back in 1932 I don't know if everybody knows what was going on in 1932, but it wasn't a great time either. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah. it was a flour mill and our great grandfather started it as a way to support the community uh, because he had, he had customers and he kind of had this dream of starting a feed mill. And so he started a feed mill or a, a flour mill, I'm sorry. But then two years later, he figured out he could get flour cheaper out of Kansas started driving up there to get flour to bring it back. But he had all these guys growing grain for him. He had to do something with it. Well, 
let's make, let's start making some feet. And, you know, then, then he's tragically passed hauling grain, you know, working for the company. Yes. So he, he had went over and bought my great grandmother a Cadillac in his grain truck. And on his way back, he got in a head on collision. Oh, and so the Cadillac got delivered on his funeral day and they didn't know anything about it. Oh my God. That is crazy. Yes. Yeah. And so then she, she kind of just, she leased out the business. My grandpa was probably 12 years old at that point. So he kind of worked for the guys that, that were kind of running the business. And then he went off to the war. He came back from the war and basically within six months, the guys that were running it, one of the guys had a heart attack, passed away. And so he, he had to take over and stepped in and, and took off and he built a chicken feed business and started growing or started buying eggs from the chicken farmers, right? He'd sell them feed and take their eggs and then he'd take them to Fort Worth. Or actually my grandma would drive them to Fort Worth. And a funny story, my grandma was a bootlegger. So... <laughs> entrepreneurs to the core. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, it's, Dude, it's I've always these... said, I want to be a cool grandma, but your grandma just set the bar high. <laughs> I, so, I got some years to catch up. Okay. Go ahead, carry on. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> it, and if I'm going too far off of beaten path, no, just, I love just pull me family. back in. Yeah. But awesome. you know, I, that's part of what we really draw on is our family tradition and yeah. everybody just looks at us and, you know, at some point, our kids are going to look back and be like, well, Uncle Mitch ate dog food for 30 days. Like, where did that come from? You know, if yes. we just tie it back to, hey, grandma was a bootlegger. And so That's she'd haul that she haul eggs down to Fort Worth and grandpa would call and put in his liquor order because our <laughs> county was dry. And she's in this big truck with all our kids because she didn't have daycare and you know, they weren't in school. She's a working mom. Yeah. She's a working mom. And so the, the story goes and basically the one day that grandpa didn't get his order turned in quick, she came back and she got pulled over by the DPS and he's like, I just could have swore you were hauling liquor. And she's like, no, I just haul eggs back and forth. He's like, I've seen this. (laughs) She's like, I, I, he's like, I see this truck every day going down with a, with a woman and kids. And I just, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a bootlegging operation. It just doesn't make any sense. She's like, Nope, but just haul eggs. And it was, you know, that's why there's a little bit of luck involved in everything. There is a little bit of luck involved in everything. Good luck, bad luck. It all plays in. That's hilarious. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> long story short, we've moved from that into dog food. Our dad kind of put in an extruder and when he took over the reins coming out straight out of high school. He put in an extruder when people weren't putting it in and we made a bunch of emu and ostrich feed back in the early nineties. You made ostrich feed? Yeah. Emu and ostrich feed. We were one of the largest producers of emu and ostrich feed back in the the nineties. Like actually to feed to ostriches. Actually to feed to ostriches. So ostriches was a demand for that. Well, it was a huge boom back in the early nineties. It was going to be the new red meat, lean red meat, right? And so that business was going great guns. Whenever Mitch and I were in seventh grade slash high school, we'd go to ostrich conventions with dad (laughs) selling ostrich food. Here we are. We're working the trade show, you know, selling ostrich feed. And, uh, 
you know, that, that dried up overnight and we pivoted into dog food. And so now Mitch and I are doing freeze dried. So we've added a, another spectrum to the business. So if nothing else, adaptability, you know, adapt, overcome or, or die really like that's, yeah. that's really it. You can, it's one thing to be rigid in your mindset and your goals. Like I'm going to take this company through, but if I guess if you can't read the trends and adjust and adapt, that's so applicable to today. And maybe yeah. that's has something to do with how you and your brother are able to just persevere and push through. Like this is no big deal to you. Like you're, company yeah. has changed directions and passed still at the core principle, right? The, the premise yeah. is the same, but the product is changing and you're just changing the product to meet demand. That is a key thing. Do you think a, a little offhand on your specific business, do you think there's, there's any things that you've learned on how to recognize and read the signs of changing trends and how to make the decision to, to pivot like that? Is it difficult because there's a lot of people now whose business and income has just stopped dried up their company whatever it is so do you have any nuggets for them on insight or advice or how to how to understand and read and 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 make that change yeah so you got to think about your customers right And, and what are you trying to accomplish are you solving a problem you know what problem are you trying to solve for your for your customers so for us we've seen the humanization of pets right? So pets have, pets are now part of the family. Like it, it, it frustrates me a little bit, honestly, that, <laughs> and you can get in more trouble for harming your pet than you can for harming your child. That's a whole nother, I, we whole, don't yeah. need to go, I know, we don't I, need to go down there, but that, that's just where we're seeing this, this trends, right? And so my brother actually got his degree in kinesiology. And so he was an athletic trainer. So he trained, he, he saw some of this stuff coming through on the human side of, Hey, these diets, this different diet, let's, let's try this. And we actually, uh, we're, we're crazy enough that we did carnivore for 90 days where we did nothing but eat meat and it was great. And, and so we'll, we'll jump out there on some of these trends and everybody just looks at us like you're crazy. Like we go to industry trade shows and they're like, you ate dog foods for 30 days. Why? You know? And so we've seen the pivots that the consumers are doing and how do you capitalize on that? Right? So how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from your, from your competitors and how do you address what the consumer is looking for? And so in both facets, we've seen a demand for, for higher quality dog food. And really, you know, that's where the auto ship comes in. Hey, it, it comes to your house on a schedule, right? Nobody likes to go to the grocery store and pick up a 50-pound bag of dog food. And feed like, your dog's peanut butter sandwiches every time you run out. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. If we could just show up at the right time, great. Um, yes. So realizing what you can do to make your customer experience better. And what can you do from a standpoint of differentiating yourself from competitors? So in today's climate, a perfect example, my wife and I were talking. So I've got four girls. We send them to a a small Catholic school. And we're sitting here trying to figure out what we're going to do with them this school year, right? Nobody knows. 
Right. And, and so we finally came to the, to the position, we're going to homeschool. And, you know, we hate it for our school because we really like the school. And I think there's a lot of factors that are outside the school, right? That, right. that, that there's going to be a ton of things that happen and they, they may have to shut down. But for, for the school, I, I kind of had this conversation with the principal. Hey, you, you don't want to lose all your revenue, right? So why not create your own curriculum online that you sell to, to us, the families that, that really like the school, like the teachers, maybe it's, it's, it, you can't justify the full tuition price, right. but Hey, Unless for you're half off, <laughs> yeah, half off, you can here, here's our curriculum. It's online. You do this for this year or half the year you come back, you know, we're, we're, you're still going to take the same tests as the kids that are in school. It's right. make a transition, you know, pivot get creative, find something out there that, you know, the, there again, businesses are drying up. I've seen restaurants get really creative. Yeah. Like, Hey, here's the hello fresh meal. Like you come buy it from us. We've got stock and you know, we've got steaks. We've got hamburgers sitting here that we can't cook and sell. Why don't, why can't we sell them? And you know, a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. Right. I saw, I saw some of that happen. Um, you know, yeah, what did the principal say when you brought that to him or her? Well, she was kind of like, Oh, well, um, yeah, well, that's, that's a good idea, but that that's maybe more work than what I'm really looking for. And so yeah. it's like, it's I, I get that it's, I, yeah, I get that it's more work, but is it going to be more work later on trying to keep the school viable? Right. Yeah. You know, and, I have a so, sister who's a principal, two more who are teachers, and um, one of them's in the Catholic school system. And three of our small Catholic schools in the county have now merged into one for next year because of this. So it is. It's uh, Everyone's got to figure out their own path. So look, you've mentioned this a couple of times. I mentioned it at the top of the interview, and now I feel like we got to we got to talk about it and solve that mystery. We keep talking okay. about your brother eating dog food. Okay. So let's, for people who may not know what we're talking about or may not have heard <laughs> this or seen your brother on any of the shows that he made the rounds on uh, yeah. you know, nationally for doing this, the dude literally ate dog food. And I watched the documentary like out at restaurants, y'all are pouring <laughs> dog food for him. Uh, I guess. So let's, what was behind the eating dog food and how did he get the honor of doing so instead of you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he ate nothing but dog food for 30 days. Everybody asked me, ah, oh, surely he had something else. No, he didn't have anything else. It was it was dog food. It was only dog food and water, only products that we made. And anybody that knows us close knows not to ask that question because we're hard-headed enough that we're going to prove you're wrong. Yeah. And, and part, of it, part of it became a just, hey, I got to tell everybody I'm going to do this just to hold myself accountable. Something to from his standpoint, that, right? Yeah. 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 And so basically we were just kind of sitting around and, and, and we had had some struggles on the business side of things and we'd done different diet challenges and, and he randomly said, well, I think we ought to eat dog food for 30 days. And I said, we is both yeah. of us. <laughs> By we. <laughs> <laughs> By we, are you, are you talking about both of us? And he's like, well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I, I'm going to do it. 
I said, okay, you know, that great. I don't think my wife is up to just let me eat dog food for 30 days. And he's like, well, you know, I'm the marketer. I'm out on social media all the time. I'm going to do it, you know, uh, and if it goes horribly wrong, you're there. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I will take that and we'll Good run boy. with it. Good boy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's one of the perks of being the older brother, right? All right. So I just go. tell him, hey, you know, I'm the older brother. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, you know, he, he's kind of the marketing arm of the business. We have that line in the sand. I'm the operations. I make everything happen and he's the marketer. And so part of it is, is we put it out as a bet. You know, did we stage it? Yeah, we kind of staged it, but that was kind of to draw the publicity in. And honestly, we we had been making a push to to up our re, our online retail presence, and so we thought, how else? How can we how can we differentiate ourselves versus the the other the bigger guys, right? Yeah. So it's true, David versus Goliath. You know, Purina, they're not going to eat their dog food for thirty days. They they don't have. I wouldn't to. recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't have to. And how can we show that we actually care about the what the dog is getting and, and the consumer as well? And so that's where the whole idea kind of hatched. And then quite honestly, he's like, that was in that was at the company Christmas party. We were kind of sitting around and talking about it. And uh next thing I know, hey, January one, I'm starting my dog food diet. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, why not? Everybody else does something January one and and we're going to go for it. And so, you know, the first 10 days I didn't really hang around him much because he was a little bit of a bear. But, uh, after that, it just, it became a game, you know, I I'm going to do a game. And then we, we, we started filming and it created all this content and all this buzz and we didn't know where it was going to go. We just, we just went for it. Yeah. And it got sometimes that's up. just what you, yeah. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah, and he wound up like on late night shows and news yeah. and, and all this stuff. What did that do in terms of the impact on your company and sales? So it it doubled our online sales Pretty through cool. that whole process. It it doubled it. It it was it was really good because when when COVID happened, everybody it, it just added that much gas to the fire. And we had, we had all this recent media coverage and we were building yeah. out, you know, videos and all that kind of stuff. So we just kept feeding the system. Right. And so that's the biggest thing is maybe you don't see the immediate impact or the immediate return on your work. It's kind of like building a house. You, you just can't walk in, you can't have a floor plan and then walk into the house the next day. Right. Right. And so you've got to, you got to build it piece by piece by piece make sure the foundation's good. And then whenever you get to walk into it, it all comes together really nice. Yeah. So you mentioned something there uh, that is another topic I want to get into. We have a couple more points I want to hit. But you mentioned that you and your brother, you have that line in the sand. You're very specific roles to play. And I think this is a huge deal in terms of running together. Something, you know, my, we were talking before it's Dave and I work together to do this. And when you're engaged to someone, you live together, you work together, not having those defined roles, just something we don't excel at, by the way. Um, <laughs> and it's uh problematic. <laughs> yes. Know? 
problematic. And someone else, you know, Elena Cardone, she does, she talks a lot about working with her husband and how they have different roles. And she specifically talks about that. And it's very helpful to partners following, but you and your brother worked with the entire family, which is a completely different beast than working specifically with your spouse. And I'd love it to touch in on that for a bit, because I know that there were some seriously bumpy roads there and you guys went through some really crappy times and have come through it now. And, uh, we know what lessons are, you want to go into a little bit of some, some obstacles you hit working with family and how you came through them and where they brought you. Yeah. So working with family is, is always fun until it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we all have this pie in the sky that we're, since we're family, we're all going to get together and, and it's all going to be fun. There's not going to have to be any hard conversations. We're all working towards the same goals. And that's really not it. And everybody has different goals and different mindsets and, and they have different desired outcomes. And it's so long story short, my brother got me to come back. I had worked in corporate world. I came back. Uh, that's a whole nother story we don't have to get into, but I came back and I, I had spent seven years in the corporate world and I kind of came back and, and it was still a mom and pop shop. My parents were still very involved in the business. Um, everything ran through them. And so it was great. And, and that was fine. And as we started to take over, my brother and I, we'd have different ideas and wanted to do different things and there was this, well, we're comfortable mentality from our parents, which is fine. They'd been in the business for 40 years. They have every right to just be comfortable and not want to take any risk, right? They had built the business. It was great. And it got all of us through college and yeah. it was wonderful, right? Not a different part, point in their lives. Like you know, they yeah. put in those hard hours. They did those long days, those long times. and Yeah. 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 And, and so whenever we come in and we're a little more gunslinger ish, right? Take it, take a couple more risk, add a second shift, increase production, be a little more aggressive on the sell side of things. That's when they started to push back and, and really start to push back. And, you know, long story short, they said, well, if you want to do all this stuff, you can buy it yourselves. And so that's what we did. We went to the bank and, said, hey, we need to buy the business. And the bank, well, great. It's 88 years old. You know, then then there becomes the whole price negotiation. And that was a six-month process. And, you know, everybody feels like they got gypped a little bit. And that's when you know you got a good price. That's exactly it. (laughs) If both sides feel beat up a little bit, then then that's great. And, you know, we, we did a full contract. You know, dad was like, I want it to be a contract because he had gone through similar stuff with his siblings. Okay. And, and so my brother and I solely own it. Our other siblings are not involved, don't have any piece of the pie, that type of situation. And so it, that that in itself was, you know, yeah, we're going to do this right. We're going to go through a lawyer. Okay, dad, great. So we get our side, he gets his side. And there's a 64 page contract and dad just throws it on the ground and says, we don't need this shit. He's like 64 pages. This is a family business. This should be easy. It should be done in 15 pages. And we're like, 
okay. And at this point we had been, we had some mentors that were helping us through the process. And one of them was a merger and acquisition lawyer. And he's like, I'll do it, but you're going to sign a disclaimer that if something comes back, I'm not liable for it. And I'll be damned if he didn't have it 15 pages on the dot. Nice. And so, you know, then dad took it and it, long story short, we got it to where everybody was amicable. There were a couple of tough years in there in the, during the transition phase because they had been the owners, they had done everything. They had made the calls right for 40 some odd years, 20 years, probably since my grandparents had kind of been removed from the business. And it was really tough because there were definitely hard conversations where dad was fine just walking away. Like, I'm going to go to the coffee shop. I'll see you at nine o'clock in the morning. Comes in. What are we doing today? Well, this is what, what we got going on. Okay, good. What time's lunch? Well, here's lunch. Right. Okay. Then we go to lunch. I got cows to work afterwards. Bye, boys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good, dad. But then you had mom on the other side that was, hey, it was almost, it, it almost emboldened her a little bit. She started showing up earlier and we were showing up and working, trying to work late. You know, it was, it was one of those things that I love her. She's a hard worker, but at some point she's got to give it up. Right. And so it would be like, we'd sit in our offices and, and I knew what she was doing. She wanted to be the last one to leave. And so I could sit back there till seven o'clock at night and she'd still be up there. You know, and I'm like, mom, stubborn family. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad sometimes. So don't, don't get in between us and a game of spoons either that we're, we're highly competitive. So (laughs) tables get broke, chairs get broke, all that kind of fun stuff. Oh man. But uh, yeah, so that whole period. And then it's just, I think the, the toughest part is, is the generational gap. So the older generation letting go and the younger generation having an arrogant attitude. Yeah. Right. Hey, I know, I know how things are going to go. And, and we had a little bit of that. We all have that. And so, you know, the first year after mom and dad were gone, business was great. We, we blew it out of the water. Right. And then we hey, started the taking a couple of They were gone. How did they yeah. <laughs> do what? How did, did they step out of the business on their own? Well, not, not really. So, you know, we we had to hire some people in and they, they didn't see why we were hiring people in, spending extra money, that type of scenario, but we had to shift the culture. And when you shift the culture, sometimes you got to get rid of the captain of the ship to turn it around. And so, you know, yeah, it was every time we made a transition, my, they would, they would fight it a little bit. Right. Like, why are you doing that? Why, you don't need to hire this person. You, you should do it. Well, I don't have time to do it, dad. They were always right. of working in the business that they didn't want to work on the business. Right. Uh, and we see, can't that's grow. A big factor. Yeah. Yep. We can't grow if we're working in the business. Right. And, and so it, it was that mindset thing. And so, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> we just basically, when you take something away from your parents and they just, it, it causes a meltdown because they've been doing it for 20 years yeah. and it could be just something really simple. Hey, I'm going to buy all the grain from this guy. I'm going to talk to this guy all the time or I'm somebody else is going to go to the, get the mail. Well, you just took my, 
my way of getting out of the office and getting a Sonic drink every morning at nine o'clock. No, you can still go do that. You just don't need to get like, right, right, we right. got to figure it out without you at some point. Right. And so it just got to the point where we had to tell them, all right, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand. You guys, we're going to remove all your duties this day. Like, because taking them every, taking, taking a duty here, taking one there, you know, trying to slow slowly death. work on, yeah, yeah. oh, it's a slow death. Yeah. You know, when you fire your parents 17 times, it's not fun. <laughs> oh my God. So how is it now? So you wound up, that's what you did. You had to fire your yep. parents and it was like right before Thanksgiving, I think. That yeah. Yeah. It was right before Thanksgiving. So, so that always gets the Thanksgiving conversation kind of is uh, slow that year. You look to the other yeah. siblings to kind of drum it up a little bit. Oh my God. So now what do you expect? I like looking ahead. If your children have interest in running the company one day, will that impact Will what you experience impact maybe how you and your brother make that transition? Yeah. So we've already talked about how we're going to try to make that transition a little easier. Right. Now we say that and you know, that's all dad ever said too was, Hey, I don't want this to go away. It went for me, but um, so, you know, that's where we're trying to get a trust involved and build up some of those safeguards in there so that it, it's a little more laid out right now. Yeah. Right? And if your kids grow up and say, no, thanks, I'll pass. If they grow up and say, no, thanks. Great. And you know, if we turn around and somebody walks in with a big check in five years, great. Bye. You know? bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> uh, you know, ha have fun with it. So, you know, that's, that, that's, that's all part of it. Yeah. So where's your company headed today? We, we uh, continue to grow. We're, like I said, we're an 88 year old startup. We're trying to build our business around the online revolution. I guess you could say we're, we're transitioning. Uh, we're more going into the more customized dog food realm. So how do you out Amazon, Amazon, if you're going to be online so people can, fully customize their own bag of dog food. If you want to add bacon fat to your dog food, you can add bacon fat to your dog food. We mix it one bag what? at a time. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. That's like boutique dog food. That's yeah. 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 So we're trying to bring boutique dog food to the masses and, and really just kind of capture on, on some of that for the oh, online yeah. community. Wow. Yeah. I think there has to be a market for that. Cause I do see everyone out there. I think, I think, where you should target by this is my ultimate, my, you know, my wise sage, totally experienced in the pet food company. Uh -huh. <laughs> I feel like if you target anybody who uses the phrase fur baby, I think yeah. you're on a sale. <laughs> I think yeah, I mean, you are our target market. Right? I don't call them a fur baby. And my dogs, you know, they don't get boutique food, but, you know, we do give them plates of food that we don't eat. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, th I think fur babies. You had a fur baby line. I think you just sell out. I don't know why people, I, I actually like just cringe when I hear that. And I love my dogs. But anyway, I like, yeah. this is me and all my experience. But yeah, that is super. I think that is very niche. I have seen a lot of dog food companies doing a lot of things. But to my knowledge, nobody will customize your bag of dog food like that. You can't just yeah. create your, your dog's meal. Like that's, I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, no, and it's one of those pipe dreams that we had five years ago, and and now we're we're we've got the company built around it, right? And so we're always looking ahead, and 
look, we're trying to get to a hundred million dollars in revenue by the time we're a hundred years old. And, and so we've got to push the envelope and, and try to change things. And so we continue by the time your company's a hundred years old. Yeah. By the time our company's a (laughs) hundred years old. Yeah. Um, You know, and we've got, that means basically we got five X growth in, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Which honestly is probably not aggressive enough. Right. Um, but it, it sounds big and it, it sounds good right now. So that's it's a good target to hit. And so to hit those big goals, you've mentioned another thing I want to touch on here. Uh, you've dropped the word mentors a couple of times. You had mentors for this, you had mentors uh-huh. for that. And before we started uh, recording, I, we have a common connection, Tony Watley, who has 365 <laughs> driven. He's like no joke business guy. We interviewed him he, and, uh, and he was your mentor. Yeah. And your business coach kind of going yeah. forward. What is the, why pay for a mentor? And what is, when someone's like, and there are a lot of people who would love to hire a business coach or a mentor and literally a hundred percent have to make the, they would have to like not pay their electric bill or not buy groceries. Like, you know, they're that down and out. They just genuinely don't have money at this time. What would be your advice for those people as well? But for- yeah, so you know, if you think about it from a, from a standpoint, I'm going to use a chocolate chip cookie recipe, uh, example. All right, let's hear it. So, so you go to McAllister's <laughs> and it, uh, that's a sandwich shop. I don't know if they have McAllister's I was like, no, in New York. We're in New York. <laughs> so when you, when you get the kid's menu at the McAllister's, you get a, you get a free chocolate chip cookie, right? So you get okay. this little bitty free chocolate chip cookie. Or you can pay and get the gigantic chocolate chip cookie, right? And so that's kind of the way way I think about it from a coaching mentor standpoint is you get what you pay for. And so, you know, Tony and I were part of Arte, which is Ed Milet and Andy Frisella, yes. right? I'm of the mindset I want to be the dumbest person in the room. If I can at least get in the room, I'm going to pick up some kind of information. Yes. And Mitch and I are part of a mentoring program here in Dallas called the Biz Owners Ed. And it's a couple of guys that uh, one of them started Paycom. Another one started the fifth largest insurance company in the U.S. And and those guys were on first name basis. I've got their cell phone in my, I've got their number on my cell phone. I can call them at any time. Hey, I'm having this problem. Help me get through it. And generally speaking, when you find the right mentor, they want to help you. And so you're going to get 10 X what you're putting into it. And so it's tough, right? It's tough to justify spending that money sometimes because some of these guys are $5,000 a month, right? Yes. Or more. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a guy in Dallas here that we've talked to who's $25,000 a day. You know, but it's, it's 24 hours. I have a guess who that is. I'll ask you later. Okay. (laughs) But yeah. So, you know, there, there are those guys that they know what buttons to push. Yes. And, and the other part of it is, is Tom Brady. He's a great athlete, right? Does he have the best coach in the world? There's, there's probably a pretty good chance, right? That he's got a great coach. Tiger Woods. There again, he had great coaches right? So it's not just athletes that need coaches. Like if you want to perform, you got to find somebody that's 
performing even at a higher level than you are and try to figure out what they're doing that differentiates. And so that's where, like when I joined Arte, Tony was in the group and he was talking and he's like, this was three years ago. Right. And, and he was, he was just starting to get onto his mentoring and coaching. And I, I could feel his passion, right? You, he, if you spend any time listening to it, he's got a passion for helping people. Yes. Right. And so I, I kind of picked up on that. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to have a zoom call with him. What the heck, you know, he seems like a smart guy. He's, he's really pushing hard. He's doing good things. And Hey, jumped on, got on early. You know, I'm, I'm probably in his first group of coaching clients, but it's been great. And for the, for those out there that, that can't put together the money for it, like, there's books. You can go to the library. Like I could give you a list of books. That's the other thing. I don't stop reading. Yeah. Like reading slash audible. I don't have time to sit down in front of a book, but I've got an hour drive between the office and home. And so I've always got something on audible. I'm, I'm listening to Jordan, Jordan Peterson or listening to the Jocko podcast or listen to Andy or Ed's podcast. And so the resources are out there for free. Right. You just got to put the effort in. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice. So, I mean, your story is like we said earlier, it's like up and down and all over. And I know we didn't get to touch on a lot of it. I know you, you sort of brushed on yeah. why you on leaving corporate and all that. I want to just touch, touch on it a little bit because I feel like it is another big decision too. There's a lot of people in a corporate job who maybe got laid off now and that decision was made for them as well. But in the corporate world versus working in your family company or branching on the entrepreneurship, or if it seems like your story included some unpleasant experiences in the corporate world that led you to be looking for an escape plan anyway, but what would be your thought? What was your experience? You know, why you left corporate and what are your words of advice? What are your words of advice to somebody who's maybe in a career path now that they're beginning to feel like, isn't really what's going to, to fulfill them. Yeah. Corporate was great, right? It's, it's kind of the, when you go to college, that's, that's kind of everybody. That was kind of the gold standard when I got out is, Hey, go get a corporate job, climb the corporate ladder. You know, when my boss interviewed me, I told him, yeah, I want your job in five years. Right. And so I was kind of built with that aggressive tone. I've mentioned we're a very competitive family. You know, I had a, a mom that ran college track and all that kind of fun stuff. Right. So there's no excuses in our family. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was kind of driven pushing hard and forward and fast. And then I got to a point where all of a sudden, maybe not the, I, maybe not the most politically perfect person to be in the corporate world and you get so high and you start to pull back the curtain and you're like, well, if I got to kiss this person's ass, I'm out. Right. Yes. And, and that's just not in my nature. And um, I'm all for respecting people, but I'm not going to sit there and kiss somebody's ass. And so uh, that was part of it. And that kind of is what drove me out of the corporate world. And, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, whenever, when I went, when I got to that position and I told the old company, yeah, okay, I'm out like this. Just, it's not working. 
and I started interviewing for other jobs, it's like, okay, well, here I am. I'm the rat race. You know, I moved my wife and six month old child to Grand Forks, North Dakota in the middle of January. And that's a fun one. Like that's a fun conversation to have with your wife and your family when you're in Texas. And, you know, here I am. I, I was loyal as all get out to these guys. Like I convinced my family to move to North Dakota and they just still hung me out to dry. And so for me, I was lucky enough to have a family business that I, that I jumped, I was able to jump back into. Right. And so, but I feel this great sense of responsibility when I come back to the family business to make it better. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that just, we're not, we're not the second generation that just came to suck the money out of the business. Right. Right. Um, so if you're in this corporate world right now and you're trying to figure out which way do you go, some people, I've got friends that got pushed in the entrepreneurial space that now are back out looking for corporate because they want that security blanket. Right. And so it's all a risk tolerance. Not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur because quite frankly, the world can't handle it. Right. And (laughs) (laughs) there's got to be good, good soldiers out there as well to be on the corporate side of things. If you're, if you're laid off, that's, that's the perfect time to be introspective and see what do I really want to do? What makes me the happiest? You know, do I need a heavy comforter that I can pull over the top of my head when it's 32 below zero outside? Or am I fine? I'm going to sleep through the night or I'm going to make it or, you know, I'll bootstrap something together. Right. And and if you're the one that can bootstrap stuff together, then yeah, start finding your, what you're passionate about, you know? Yeah. Am I passionate about dog food? Not necessarily. I am because of the nature of it, but I'm more about helping people and growing, growing the business, right? It's it's from a business aspect. We're, we're helping customers. We're making a difference in customers' lives. And then on the other side, I'm making a difference in an employee's life. Yeah. Right. And it's a challenge, right? It's like kind of the rush of the game and the adrenaline thing. Like you can't really, it's just the ride. It's just some people aren't meant to, you know, the stability and knowing where you're going to be every Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Some people love that and some people hate it. And there's your, I think there's your answer, like right there, right? You don't want to know know where you're going to be every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Yeah. That's what you do. Like, God bless you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So on that topic of what floats everybody's boat and what makes everyone's happy, you know, individually, one of the main reasons we started American Snippets is because we saw this attack and this assault on the notion of the American dream and this narrative beginning to spin that it's dead and it's an illusion and it's a lie and people buying into that narrative. And, you know, that hit us hard individually. And so that's one reason we started American Snippets was to prove by interviewing people like you every week um, and sharing those stories and examples of how it it is alive and well and how you can go about building it. No, even in a freaking plague, you know, know, dreams are being built. But we also make it a point to emphasize, and we do this through our guests as well, that it looks different for everybody. And that is the key. It What the American dream means to everybody is completely different from one person to the next. For some people, it is that corporate job, the two weeks vacation. Like that's, their, that's their dream life. Great. Yeah. So some people, it's not. Uh, and so we like to ask our guests what, what your own version of the American dream is. What does it mean to you? 
<clears throat> so the the American dream to me is leaving leaving the foundation better than what you found it. Leaving, you know, whether it be a camping spot or your house or your business or your community, leaving it better than what you found it. You know, if we think back to the founders and at the end of the day, they left a legacy of growing something better and bigger than what they are. Right. So I, I think about like my grandparents, my great grandparents and my parents is you want to leave a legacy. To me, the American dream is all about a legacy and how do you leave that? How do you leave that impression on your kids? How do you leave that impression on other people that you come in contact with? And really, how do you, how do you just grow that legacy for the betterment of the community? Whatever community it, it is, a church community, the actual community, you know, uh, a college community, how, how can you improve things, right? To me, that's the American dream is instead of worrying about the outside world, we're going to take care of ourselves, fix it, make it better and go on down the road. You know, Henry Ford's great, right? If what, what's his famous quote, I'll, I'll probably misquote it, but he's like, if I listened to everybody, I just would have made a faster horse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. That's great. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that, that's just yeah. how, how I look at it and it's leaving a legacy and what are people going to think about you when you're gone? Excellent. I love that. Thank you so much. And if people want to follow you all, catch your brother, the next time he decides to eat maybe <laughs> dog treats or something they'll create. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, next January apparently is my turn. <laughs> We will definitely follow up with you then. That'll be super yeah. fun. Uh, what's it going to be? You have to make treats, right? Uh, yeah, no, we, we've got treats now that we make. So, right, so maybe uh, yeah. that'll be your dessert every day. Uh, maybe that's going to be my dessert every day. I think uh, he's he's kicking around that we're going to do a raw reset here shortly. And so I don't I don't know what that's going to be. But uh, oh, Good luck to you. Good luck yeah. to you. All right. So where can they, where can people find you all? Where can they buy your dog food from? So they can go online at munstermilling.com and you can buy it, have it shipped, sign up for auto ship comes every, whatever, how many ever, whatever interval you are, you can customize it. You can add bacon fat, you can add elk, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we've got treats there. We've got pumpkin spice treats, pumpkin oh. spice meatballs coming out <laughs> for the fall. For the fall. So this is just the beauty of working with your brother. We're on a conference call, right? And he's like, yeah, so we got pumpkin spice meatballs coming out. And I'm just like, okay. And they're like, he's, he picks up the computer and turns it around. He's like, yeah, see, Chad's over here working on the formula. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got it. We'll figure it out. That is hilarious. I bet you those sell out too. Everything yeah. pumpkin spice. That's You guys are genius. Uh -huh. Really. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, no, I, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook at Chad Felderhoff. You'll see tons of videos of me and my girls and us doing all kinds of fun stuff. You can go to Munster Milling. Which are very Milling. cute, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, yes. It's all it's all a credit to their mother. So Yes. Well said. Well said. Dude, I have four boys, so I don't even, I have like opposite <laughs> land of you. But uh, all right, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and, and talk to us. I think you offered, I know you offered 
a lot of valuable nuggets, everybody who is listening. And I hope people that, uh, you know, as you're listening to this, really pay attention and dig back, play back if you need to on his tips on mentoring on how to navigate family business stuff. I mean, there's a lot of us out there today going through one element or another of your story. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to share it with us. Thanks for having me on, Barb. It was a great, and it was a great conversation, and, and I look forward to it. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of the American Sippets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Chad Felderhoff for being here as well and sharing his story and telling us about Munster Milling, his family-owned business. If you want to learn more about Chad and Munster Milling, just head on over to americansnippets.com. It's the featured article of the week. Uh, Every single week, we do a full featured piece on every one of our guests. So you can read the article, re-listen to the podcast, watch the video interview. Uh, And we also include some social media links there as well that you can use to follow Munster Milling and Chad on social, visit their website, order order their dog food, do all the above. Uh, I know Chad would greatly appreciate it. Uh, If you got any value out of this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, Share this episode with a friend. Let them know what we're doing here. Uh, Share it on social. You can tag us at American Snippets. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. And that's about it. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week.